0: Hi, welcome to Feminists Want System Change podcast. My name is Leanne and I am with the Women's Major Group. It's been 25 years since the fourth International Women's Conference, or what we like to call the Beijing Platform for Action. We are talking to feminists from all over the Asia Pacific region to hear about their inputs around progress on women's empowerment and gender equality. So today we're joined by Saku, and Saku uh, comes from Mongolia and she is going to further explain and introduce herself.
1: Hello, Lian. Um, yeah, it's me. I'm Saku, and I'm from Mongolia, and I work at the Center for Human Rights and Development.
0: Go. Can you tell me what the Center for Human Rights and Development does and what kind of work uh, you are particularly engaged in?
1: Yeah, mostly we are focusing on the rights and development issues. And within that, the most uh, recent focusing issue is the human rights defenders issue in Mongolia, and especially those who are being affected by the mining companies in the uh, the province, the local level.
0: Wow. So I know that a lot of work around protecting human rights defenders can get really, really heavy. Is that the issue that makes you angry as a feminist?
1: Yes, of course, this is the thing that really makes me angry because you know the people who are working uh, to protect human rights are being under attacked by the governments, by the uh, mining companies, by the corporates. At the same time, also it's really uh hard that the mining com- the state is captured by corporates which is also makes me so angry. And when we documented the files on this human rights defenders issue, they're not hearing us, they're against on it. this. And even we advocate for, uh, to, dra- uh, uh, to adopt the law on human rights defenders, they're also against on it. They're not approving it.
0: Wow, can you tell us more about who these human rights defenders are? Are some of them women? How old are they what, are, what, what kind of things are they trying to protect and fight for?
1: Okay, so I should start from the this the young man who is an environmental defender and he found dead, but the the, the government people said it 's a suicide. Even he has been physically attacked series of time before he was found dead. The Another case is also the biggest one, which is the journalist, the woman, woman journalist. And she used to, she wrote about uh, on the corruption issues. And she also found dead. And they said that, oh, it's like suddenly she was uh, fall off. And it's because it, no one is uh, responsible for her case, and, and nothing has happened after this case. Both of the cases were found. I don't like when people like start considera- considering when people are found dead. It should be before the, mm-hmm. that they are found dead. Another case is from the local area, because you know, like, um, their provinces are the the mining companies are changing their names and shifting to the other provinces so those are one uh, example is the single mother who has two children and then security guard just for security guard came to their uh, land and thro- when she fight back they just threw her away and physically attacked and she said i th- i thought i i'm i'm going i'm going to die and i was like oh and and the, the worst thing is the people in the countryside are losing their hope. They believe that. When we met them in May, they had this belief to fight against the mining companies. But when we went there in September to um, build their capacity on the human rights defenders issue, they lost their hope, which makes me so sad. I almost cried on this issue. And most of the uh, human rights defenders in the countryside are the mothers, the women. That's also makes me so sad.
0: So, Saku, thank you so much for sharing the situation happening in Mongolia. This deepening of power between the state and corporations and you know, silencing anyone with dissent or particularly anyone fighting for the environment My question to you, Saku, is in the midst of all of this, in this dark times in Mongolia, and scary forces coming together and really silencing the voices, what gives you hope? I know you just shared about going to the province and and hearing about the discouragement that these people who wanted to fight, but now don't want to, I know it made you cry, but what gives you hope after that? What continues the fire in you to to continue to advocate um, and and protect the human rights and women human rights defenders?
1: First, the the concept of development justice. I have a hope because, you know, like, I know that, I learned that there is a hope, there is a way to, to fight against all these corporates, this, uh state creeds, and uh, also I, ho- I have hope uh, that th- while there are many uh, uh, cases against human rights, defenders are happening all over the world. And also they have these experiences. They, they know what to do. And we are learning from each other. So this is really giving me hope. And like, even uh, we are sharing our issues. At the same time, there, might be, there, there will be the one who has little with achievement on that areas or issues. So as a Mongolian, we are learning a lot from our feminist friends what should be uh, there to fight against these corporates. And also the, the, we, what we have learned is we can localize in the national context and we can use it. That's my hope and that's my takeaway.
0: I'm really happy that you're finding solidarity with other comrades and the other struggles from various countries against these corporations that, as you know, are continuing to deepen their relationships with government, continuing their, their pockets to with greed filled with money. And I know that you mentioned how you're using development justice as a tool of hope. For the viewers that don't know what development justice is, can you expand on it?
1: yeah for example, I can use redistrib- redistributive justice on the environmental issues because the mining companies uh, at the same time we have like uh, they have decreased the um, uh, revenue tax on the mining companies, so against on that we can fight we can raise the issue of redistributive justice, and also uh, uh, many of the foreign investment and the bilateral investment are going. Almost 80% are going to the mineral mining uh, area. So instead, we will ask them to shift it to the health and the education sector or, or also maybe increasing the uh, workplace instead of investing all the monies to the mining sector.
0: Mm-hmm. Right so you speak of one of the founda- yeah, well, five yeah. one of the five foundational shifts the yeah. development justice redistributive justice particularly redistributing the money used for mining corporations or extractive industries and shifting it into services for the people such as healthcare and education what about the four other foundational shifts can you talk about them and how they can be applied to Mongolia
1: yeah also yeah gender justice and social justice and accountability. also like uh one of the uh shift is that yeah, foundation is that we are using uh, the accountability to people at the local level. We are raising their awareness and building their capacity. At the same time, they are uh, raising their voices to hold the government and the mining companies accountable for that. And within that, we are raising the awareness and we are like uh, building the capacity and sharing this and uh, developing justice concept among the other. Uh,
0: Cso, which is on um, the yeah social and the gender issues so. great I'm glad you're, you're you're able to to continue to spread the use and concept of development justice, particularly feminist development justice to really increase the participation and the strength of civil society not just in Mongolia but all over asia pacific and I know that you went to New York at the high level political forum where you submitted an an alternative report to when countries report. It's called the VNR process, the voluntary national reporting process, where in this case, Mongolia came and talked about the progress that they have made under the SDGs in front of a global audience. And Saku, I heard that you got to speak. What what did you share from the report?
1: It was mostly about, um, the report was about environmental justice. <laughs> yeah, that is which is happening and which is also missing from the National VNR. And at the time we were able to uh, say that uh, we need, uh, uh, we need um, hmm, more opportunity or more in, uh, implementation at the local level. Because it, it, it came from the bottom up, you know, the, we wanted to share the recommendation from the local people, even with the local authorities. And our government, we, what we were happy <laughs> is our government were honest on that. They uh, shared the same uh, result, which is there is no implementation at the local level. Uh,
0: I'm glad you got to use that platform to share the report coming from your organization and your movement and that governments were receptive and not tried to lie. I know that one of the government representatives talked to you after. What did you all talk about? And has there been any follow-up since you returned to Mongolia?
1: Yeah, one of the recommendations were to identify the national indicators. And just after I made this statement, the Minister of Finance came to me and she said, I'm so proud that young people are engaging in this process and I hope we will continue this. And I accepted the situation and I was like, oh yeah. And in September, they had this national consultation which uh, includes ministries, the focal points and the civil society and the private, not that much private sector, but this uh, consultation was really We really had the chance to add our inputs to the national indicator. I think this is this was the result after the HOPF.
0: Great. I'm so happy to see that your involvement in these international global forums really made progress with, with the work you're doing in the national level. You, you talked about how the Minister of Finance congratulated you as being a young person so engaged. And then I just want to go back to, to the question of young feminists or activists in Mongolia. How does it look like for young feminists and activists amidst a crackdown of human rights defenders that you talked about how people are being persecuted and killed, are the young people afraid or are they fighting back?
1: Uh, yeah, This is kind of like, we are very few. Even among the civil societies, the young people and but there is a good result because which I have learned from HRPF because I have engaged in the outreach team at the time and I have used it. Uh, to mobilize the youth during the amendment of constitution, because we have launched this social media campaign to promote this amendment to the constitution, and it it lasts for three months. And today, the president has signed it. And there were the this youth uh, organic movement for justice constitution amendment were just happened after. The, July and it started in August I guess and we volunteered and we just expressed that youth can be the uh, youth can contribute to this social movement social justice to open justice issues and this was the one example of it and I think this is just the beginning and we can I, I have hope, now I have an idea of actions to mobilize to continue this youth movement for development justice in Mongolia.
0: So just to continue off of that, now that you, know, you were going in, in that answer, what are the actions forward? What actions are you going to be taking coming, coming back to Mongolia after attending this Beijing Plus 25 uh, meeting here in Bangkok?
1: So we are, our plan is to share the concept of the justice force among the civil society people. Because currently we have all the same issues with all the other fellow feminists, like intergenerational dialogue, intergenerational conflicts, and also like this feminist idea, feminist concept. It also need to be shared among the others. Because you know we have seen that we have progress uh, within the the. Concept of development justice in other other areas. So and also we had this. We also had implemented that at the local level. So now, if, if we want to strengthen our feminist movement or like our civil society space, if we want to save it, we have to have a common understanding of the justice and also this feminist with feminist perspective. That's what I am planning, and at the same time. Uh, other colleagues from Mongolia, we are talking to share this information and have organized some kinds of uh, workshop for uh, doing feminist legal analysis, which we have learned from FIDWAD here, to uh, to uh, continue our youth movement. So at the same time, like we will go to through there's
0: two ways so. <laughs> <laughs> great so many tools that you're learning and, and I'm really happy that you're going to be able to go back to your community and share those tools be yeah. it be feminist development justice or now a lot of the legal strategies to, to implement change Saku thank you so much for your time and I want to close out this podcast by inviting you to share what is your favorite slogan or feminist quote right now
1: since the JPF to next Women's uh, Global uh, International Women's Day, uh, the wo- if women stop, the world stops. Makes me so proud.
0: And, and can you tell me more about what this campaign means?
1: This campaign is uh, this year. Uh, there is going to be the International Women's Global Strike. It's going to be happen at the same day of International Women's Day, and all over the world, we will have and we will share this idea that if if women stop the world will stop.
0: Great. Thank you so much, Saku. And maybe if you want to chant your, your slogan for, for people in the audience so that they can really feel the strength and the momentum of the slogan.
1: If women stop, the world stops. Thank you.